Hello, greetings. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks for your interest in spiritual matters, and thank you for the gift of spending time as we explore what God has made known in Jesus. I'm Ethan, and I work with the Venice Church of Christ. We're disciples making disciples in Los Angeles. And if you are a, a fellow believer in God and Christ, I'd like to ask, what is your goal with your faith? What are you trying to accomplish in being a Christian? The answers, maybe, will hopefully center on you know, obtaining the resurrection in Jesus, to glorify Him in all that we do, to be able to be with Him in heaven when we die, something of that sort. Uh, and however we want to look at that answer, however you specifically want to frame it, if we're going to get there, it's going to require spiritual strength. We're going to have to manifest some spiritual strength to accomplish what God would have us to do in Jesus. And so what is spiritual strength? What are its characteristics? What, how do we obtain spiritual strength? And if we do have spiritual strength, how are we to conduct ourselves? How are we to, to live according to that strength? That's what we'd like to explore today. Love to know what you think about these things. Love to uh, have your opinions on these matters as we continue to explore this today. So how would we define spiritual strength? Well, we understand what strength is, right? The strength is uh, when we have power, have the power to accomplish something, to um, endure something. Uh, it's power. Strength is the necessary power to accomplish something. And the way that strength is talked about in the scriptures, there's kind of ways we can look at different aspects of it. We can look at it in terms of absolute strength, uh, momentary strength, or more relative, or doctrinal strength. And for our purposes, absolute strength is kind of the idea of, of reaching a point of maturity in the faith. When Paul says, we who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves in Romans 15.1, that's the kind of strength he's talking about. In Hebrews 5 and verse 14, that those who are mature have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. And the reason we use absolute strength in that sense is that in that situation, you are the one maintaining the strength. You've got it. It's, it's the strength and power that you actually have. That strength can come from understanding what God has made known in Christ in the Scriptures and to base one's life upon it in 2 Timothy 2.5 and 3.16.17. And it's something that is manifest in, in how we live and act. And very important, that strength is not determined in terms of age, but in terms of development. It is a point of growth. It may take somebody, some people shorter times, others longer times, but it is a point of growth. We talk about momentary strength. Momentary strength is the feeling or experience of, of spiritual strength in a moment. Uh, kind of like a high point in one's relationship with God. Very important to notice uh, in 1 Corinthians 9, 24-27, that uh, we, we, the, the faith is compared to a race. It's compared to the athletic competitions, also in Hebrews 12. And athletic competitions, of course, require training and endurance. The thing is that when you are running a long race, there are going to be moments you feel stronger than others. There are times where you feel strong, other times you're going to feel more weak. And that's dependent upon our circumstances and how we're addressing our circumstances. And so there are times that we have in our lives of faith that we are relatively more strong 
momentarily. Uh, and we feel great in those moments. We can do anything in those moments. But then we have situations come upon us because of temptations, because of personal crises, maybe because of sin, that we feel weaker. And we have that up and down uh, throughout our lives. And that's something that's not going to change. And we, it's very something we need to be very aware of and cognizant of because it really does affect us in a lot. You know, we talk about that absolute position of strength in terms of maturity. Even when you reach that maturity and you're among the strong, at moments you feel stronger and moments you feel weaker. But you're still, in an absolute sense, more perhaps stronger than other people because you've grown and developed matured in your faith. But that doesn't stop the peaks and the valleys of our lives in faith. And so that's where we're looking in terms of uh, that absolute strength It's maybe much more in terms of understanding perspective. And the momentary is in terms of practical heart, in terms of what we're actually experiencing in life on a day-to-day -day basis. This is when Paul says in Philippians 4 and verse 12, I know how to be brought low, I know how to abound in every, in every circumstance. I have learned the secret uh, of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things th through Christ who strengthens me. And yes, we get that strength around. This will be a very important point in the end. Uh, but we realize that when it comes to ourselves, that's a very volatile up and down thing. And because we're feeling high doesn't mean we're doing well always. And that's something we always need to keep in mind with that momentary uh, strength. Then we have what we call maybe a relative or doctrinal strength. And when, what that kind of strength is, is what's in the core of Romans 14. Uh, first Corinthians 8 to a lesser degree, but definitely Romans 14. Uh, Romans 14, you've got Christians who are strong in faith. And what it means by they're strong in faith, it means they have confidence that they can perform a certain thing. And in Romans 14, the examples are that they can eat certain kinds of meat, that they can observe a certain kind of day, and that they could uh, drink uh, wine, or they could um, do these kinds of things. And they have faith that they can do that with full conviction in the sight of God, that uh, God is, can be glorified in that. And Paul recognizes that for those particular examples, they have that liberty. Now, Paul will warn them in Romans 14, 22, that you need to be careful lest you become condemned in what you approve. That you could say that you had the faith to do something that you really shouldn't be doing. Um, but the issue was not with could you do that. It's how do you treat others who don't have that same conviction? And in 1 Corinthians 8, this comes into Christians who really are weaker in the faith, younger in the faith, haven't had as much experience, and it very much is Christians who are a little bit older in the faith, who have a better understanding of what idols are, and they're going to eat meat-sacrificed idols, and these younger Christians see that and think that they can still honor the idol, and that becomes of where they're killing the faith of that person and honestly sinning against Christ in the process. Um, what's interesting is that in Romans 14, yes, these Christians are said as the strong, but that strength hasn't led them to treating their fellow Christians in the way you would expect from somebody truly strong in the faith. And that's why I say it's a relative or doctrinal strength. Is that you can have the confidence you can do something in the faith and yet really be weak or young in the faith. You can be immature in the faith and have that conviction. Likewise, you could be weak in terms of believing a certain thing can be done or not. Yet be strong in the faith in general or mature in the faith. 
And so we need to, that's where we say that it's, it's a relative strength. It doesn't mean that you're absolutely strong or you're, for that matter, right. And that's another challenge, is that in Romans 14 and 1 Corinthians 8, strong doesn't mean right. And weak doesn't mean wrong. It just means that somebody has confidence in something, others don't have confidence in something. First Corinthians 8, a little bit more so, because the matter at hand is making the weak think that something is right that really isn't right because of the issues of motivation. And so, uh, that's why that's very important. Now, for our purposes in our conversation today, we're not going to talk as much about that uh, relative doctrinal strength issue. Um, in terms of what they should do in those circumstances, absolutely. But that's not really our focus. Our focus is on growing strong in the faith and our understanding in that absolute sense, and also that momentary strength, you know, living the life of the faith and, and having dealing with the ups and downs of feelings of relative strength and weakness in terms of momentary uh, existence. And we need to be very clear about something. Um, there's no binaries here. We talk about the strong and the weak. And the fact of the matter is that all of us are really strong and weak on a spectrum. That all of us have particular strengths and particular weaknesses. We can be absolutely strong in the faith and be mature in the faith, but still have some areas that are really weak in faith. One of the ones that's very commonly seen, we have very strong understanding, but our practice or our heart in it is not as strong. And so we need to be aware of that. We can't just look at this and say, okay, well, I am strong in this, this, and this, therefore I am strong in faith, I'm good. Well, that you're strong in faith in those ways. God be praised and reinforce those strengths. But let's not use those to blind ourselves to the areas where we actually are weak. And we have our gifts and talents and we need to cultivate those and to lead with those in many ways while reinforcing and not neglecting areas where we may not have our strengths. We may not be as gifted. In Matthew 25, Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12, passages like that. So that's what spiritual strength is about. It's about you know a perspective. It's about uh, that living up and ups and downs of living. It's about uh, conviction. So what are the characteristics? What makes spiritual strength spiritual strength in practice? And I mean we, these terms seem kind of vague, right? Right? And, and they kind of are. I mean maturity and advance in the faith are vague ideas uh, because Christianity is not merely a systematic philosophy. It's a lifestyle. And it's a lifestyle that's patterned on a specific person, Jesus of Nazareth. Because really, to be spiritually strong is to be in Jesus of Nazareth and manifesting Jesus of Nazareth. And that's kind of the constant emphasis. First Corinthians 11, 1, Paul says, imitate me as I imitate Christ. Philippians 2, 5 through 10, have this mind which among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, to humble yourself that God will exalt you. Um, that we are to pursue what God has embodied in Jesus as the way forward, which he himself has said, I am the way and the truth and the life. That means we need to follow into the way he went. The Hebrews author will call him the pioneer of our faith. He's a trailblazer, and therefore we follow after him. And so as we become more like him and we come to know him more, we become spiritually stronger. So, this absolutely involves knowledge of God. Jesus was tempted by the devil. And when Jesus is tempted by the devil, every single time in Matthew 4, he goes back to, it is written. It is written. Man shall live by bread alone, but every word that proceeds in the mouth of God. It is written. You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. It is written. You shall worship the Lord your God and worship him only. Jesus knew the Father. He had experiential relationship with the Father. 
And when he talked about the Father, he grounded what God had made known in Scripture. And therefore, if we're going to be spiritually strong, we need to be strong in the Scripture. We need to understand what the Scripture says. And it's not a case of us mastering the Scriptures as much as allowing the Scriptures to master us. That we allow our minds to be shaped and formed by what it has made known, as opposed to imposing our ideology and strictures upon it to make it say what we want it to say. And we need to have that perspective and allow that transformation to take place within us if we're going to be strong. And that's why we need to be diligent in that pursuit, that we handle the Word of God as a workman who has no need to be ashamed. In 2 Timothy 2 and verse 15, upholding that message and its integrity in chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. But merely knowing God's will does not make one spiritually strong. Uh, in James 1 and in Matthew 7, Jesus talked about those who hear the word of Jesus but don't do it, and that they're, they're not going to make it. It's not going to endure. That we need to do God's will, just like Jesus didn't just know, but he came to accomplish it. And that, in fact, Jesus has accomplished God's will, which is the whole point of why he is who he is and, and has been exalted to the point that he is. Uh, we see that implicitly in Ephesians 3.11 and John 19 and verse 30. And in fact, it is in what he did that he demonstrates that he is the Son of God. That even in the most difficult times, like in the Garden of Gethsemane, he yields to the will of God. And so true spiritual strength comes in submission. It's part of that paradox that we are truly strong when we submit and when we admit our own weaknesses and entrust ourselves into the strength of God. Uh, that's why it says to be strong in the Lord and the power of his might in Ephesians 6 and verse 10. And that we need to turn away from our ideas and, and submit to God's ideas. That we look at ourselves no longer as slaves of sin, but slaves of righteousness in Romans 6. And that it is no longer we who live, but it is the Son of God who lives in us in Galatians 2 in verse 20. And the way of strength in the faith is the way of love. God is love in 1 John 4. And if Jesus is God, Jesus is love. And when we look at uh, John 13, we see how Jesus loved his own to the end. In fact, the new commandment he gives to us is that we are to love one another as he has loved us. That his love becomes the model for our love. And if we're going to be strong, we need to manifest that love to one another and toward all. In the world, it seems that strength is this aggressive posture where your strength you have to project out there and let everybody know how strong you are and, and knock a few people around so that nobody messes with you. But the way of the kingdom is, is and the antithesis of that. Jesus sees that in Matthew 20 and tells the disciples that it shall not be so among you. That Jesus did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. And it's in that service that his great strength was expressed. It is in our serving others that we demonstrate spiritual strength. It is in humbling ourselves and the way we think and to consider other people and how they feel that we display strength. And this is very hard for us because we look at that culturally, societally, as weakness. And in society, you know, what is reckoned as strength, according to the faith, is weakness. And so we're kind of really flipping whole ideas here. And that's something that we may understand cognitively, but we need to constantly reinforce and to be careful lest the worldly mentality, the demonic wisdom, starts to filter in. And all of a sudden, now we just become a parrot for the kind of strength that the world would have us to believe. 
And of course, this is part of the grand reversal of everything Jesus is about, that those who humble themselves will be exalted and those who exalt themselves will be humbled in Matthew 23 and verse 12. And this gets to that characteristic of Jesus as meek. I am meek and lowly of heart in Matthew 11. Lowly in heart, Matthew 11, verse 29. Uh, meekness today seems like a pushover, you know, but it means strength under control. And that's exemplified by the cross, that the world... You know, when they when they put Jesus on that cross, that's how the world shows strength, right? This is what you do when you mess with power. You get messed up. If you're so great, come down from there. And yet Jesus displayed his ultimate strength on the cross by enduring it. By suffering all of that pain when at any point he could not need to. A lot of us suffer pain because there's nothing else that we can do at that point. You know, if the authorities come and drag me off and start beating me up and, you know, putting me up there, uh, I'm going to have to suffer that. It's not going to change, right? At any single moment, Jesus said, he could ask of his Father and legions of angels will be at his command. He endured everything he went through from Gethsemane until he died on that cross. And the psychological torture, the physical pain, the mental and emotional anguish, and he never had to. He could have at any moment ended it. But he maintained that strength and he endured. He has the victory because he maintains the strength under control. And that's where meekness is real strength. And that is really hard. Because when we've got strength, as human beings, when we have that appealing of power, it wants to come out. And we want to express it. And we express it in the rage in our speech, in the rage of our actions. We just we need to get it out. And the hardest thing to do is to channel and direct it in and in more productive, constructive ways. And to hold that strength and to hold on to it for a long period of time. We can all hold on to it for a moment. But when that moment gets drawn out longer and longer and longer, at some point we crack. And when we crack, that is not strength anymore. That is the point of weakness. That strength is in holding and enduring. And we could go through all kinds of other characteristics, looking at how they exemplify Jesus, they exemplify strength. But these are sufficient to see what it looks, what spiritual strength looks like. And it looks nothing like it does in the world. And that it looks like Jesus. And if there's anything that, that makes it clear, is that, as Paul says in Romans 15, and in fact, is Paul's anchoring concept in Romans 15, we who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good and to build him up. For Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. He talks about how the strong had an obligation, and he anchors it in Christ. That what does it mean to be strong? To be strong doesn't mean that you are the privileged. It doesn't mean that you have now reached this elite stage of Christianity where you are now in the know, that you are now in the club, that you now have your card punch and everything is great. To be strong in the faith now means the time has come for you to serve. To bear with others. Strength involves obligation. And so... The Roman Christians were in danger of using their strength to kind of look down upon the 
less understanding Christians. And Paul says, your strength is not there to look down on other people. Your strength is given to you to serve, encourage, and strengthen them. That is what Paul is really about here. Not your own good, but the good of us. When you are strong, it is now no longer about you, but it's about other people. In Romans 15, 2. In Philippians 2, 1 through 11. Uh, 1 Corinthians 10, 24. Uh, over and over and over again. And this is parallel with what Jesus did. That we need to use our strength not to aggrandize ourselves, not just to dis- to show everybody how strong we are, but to channel that to provide encouragement to the weak, to bear with them, which means to suffer, to suffer that patiently, which means that we don't have to respond to every provocation. It means that we lift them up and seek their good even when they aren't seeking our good, and we don't get into why are they not doing what they're supposed to be doing, but we focus on ourselves. And that gets us to that other thing, that uh, we need to abound more and more. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, we learn that Thessalonian Christians are actually doing pretty well. Uh, but Paul says that uh, you have no need to have anyone write you about love and about practicing the faith. You just need to abound more and more. Uh, we, the, the difficulty and temptation of reaching a level of maturity is to think, well, I have now arrived at this point of maturity and I'm good. And basically it is an invitation to reach a plateau. The fact of the matter is, is that in Christianity there's never a plateau. We are to continually grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. That if we are not pursuing ahead, we are actually going backward. And so we should take an ex- from the example of Paul. Paul should, should have much more maturity and wisdom than all of us. He has the Spirit of God. He had endured all kinds of sufferings that we can barely imagine. And yet he himself says to the Philippians that he continues to strive forward lest he be disqualified. Lest he fall short. In Philippians, there are also in 1 Corinthians 9 and other passages. And so, uh, we need to strive towards spiritual maturity and strength. But we should not look at it as the ultimate goal. The ultimate goal is to is, is Jesus, God in Christ. And as long as we have life, we need to continue to strive for that. We can always grow stronger in the faith. We can always become more mature. That's why we're talking about this primarily in terms of spiritual strength. Uh, not just spiritual maturity, because you can reach a point of maturity, but you can never become strong enough that it means that you do not need to grow in any more strength. And we need to look at that strength as an obligation that comes with responsibility. In Luke 12 and verse 48, that the one who has been given, to whom, whom has been given more and more will be required. And that's the whole lesson in the parable of the talents, right? One guy gets five, one guy gets two, one guy gets one according to their ability, and they're supposed to make based on what they've been given. Uh, if the five-talent servant comes back with two talents, we don't know if the master is pleased with him as when he brought five talents. And we don't hear the master knocking the two-talent servant because he didn't bring back five. That as we grow in the faith, God may grow in his expectations of us. That what God expects out of us in the faith when we've been around for a while may be more than when we started. We cannot expect to just give the same level of effort and always think that's going to be pleasing God. That as we grow in our responsi- in our maturity, that we grow in our responsibility. That we, as we are strengthened, that we take on more. Uh, that we are able to do what God would have us to do to put our talents to proper use. 
Now, as we've had this conversation about spiritual strength, it's been very easy for us to, to make it about us as individuals and our strength. But uh, strength is not something that we're supposed to hoard. In 1 Thessalonians 5.11 and Hebrews 10.25, we are called upon to come together as Christians and encourage one another. To encourage is to give strength. Our faith cannot be a solitary endeavor. We share in faith together, therefore we need to give strength to others at times and receive strength as well. That even when we reach that point in maturity, that absolute strength I'm talking about, in that momentary up and down, when we're down we need to get up. And when we're up we need to help those who are down. And even when we're up sometimes we can benefit from that up. And even when we're down sometimes there's a way that we can help others. So it's not like it, it's a, a singular thing here. Uh, it, it's a reciprocity that's a continual cycle. And therefore, spiritual strength is something that is a constant thing. And that's why the assembly is a constant thing. Because there's a constant need for that, in spirit, for that strengthening. And if it's not for you, it's for others. And that's where we can't just decide that it's no longer necessary, that it can become optional. Because other people never become optional in the faith. Uh, they were never optional for Jesus. They cannot be optional for us. We need to continue to work to build up one another, to strengthen one another, to share in that strength, because the only way we're going to make it across that finish line is together. Because we've all dragged each other across the line. And so, we got really important messages here about spiritual strength. The kinds of spiritual strength there are, the characteristics of that strength as we see in Jesus, the responsibilities of that strength. And that as Christians, we need to become spiritually strong and to grow in spiritual strength. But we need to always recognize that the strength cannot come merely of ourselves. That on our own, our strength is not going to be sufficient. That, as Paul says in Ephesians 6 and verse 10, that we need to be strong in the Lord and the strength of His might. That the powers against us are far stronger than anything we can muster in ourselves. And the danger of spiritual strength is that we think that we now can do it on our own. That we've now been built up to the point where we can do it. And that is dangerous thinking because at our strongest we are still pathetically weak. And we need to rely on the Lord's strength to become like the Lord to endure like the Lord, to show meekness and to keep that strength under control like the Lord, to exercise the strength and the responsibility that comes with it in ways that glorify the Lord. And so we need to anchor ourselves in the strength that we get from God in Christ. And we need to recognize, look at ourselves. We need to see if we think we stand when we really don't stand. We need to, in Romans 12 and verse 3, Galatians 6, 3, 5, James 1, 22 and 25, uh, because there are a lot of times that we like to think that we're strong when we're really weak. We want to be the strong. Who wants to be weak? No one wants to be weak. We all want to be strong. And so we puff out ourselves that we are strong, but we are really weak. And if we presume that we are strong and act like we're strong when we're weak, we're not glorifying God. And if we think we're really weak when actually we're much stronger, when we think that we're not as mature or responsible as we really ought to be, that is also very counterproductive because then we're not set free to actually glorify God in that position the way that we ought. And that's why we need to know who we are and where we are in our walk with God, that we know where we have been and where we're supposed to go. 
And that's why all of us need to continue to press on to greater strength in Christ Jesus, to grow in our maturity and strength, to strengthen others, and to use that strength in the ways that glorify God, which is not going to look anything like the way strength is used in the world, but it looks like Jesus. It looks like loving people. It looks like serving people. It looks like patiently enduring and bearing with people. And it looks like long-suffering and keeping that strength under control. Let us pray. Father, hallowed be your name. We're so thankful that you have given us uh, love and care, that you've made provision for us, that you have considered us. Uh, We recognize, Father, that we are very weak of ourselves, that on our own we cannot stand, that we have sinned and fallen short, and we are beyond overwhelmed at your love and grace and mercy that you have displayed in Jesus. And we're thankful for that love and care. We're thankful for your covenant loyalty. And we pray, Father, and we understand that in our weakness, uh, we are not going to be able to do much of anything. And that is why we are nothing without you. And we pray above all things that you would give us strength in Christ, that you would strengthen us through uh, the Spirit, that be able to overcome and endure our trials, and that we can learn to grow in strength and to display that strength in ways that glorify you. We're thankful for Jesus. We're thankful for the Spirit. We're thankful for the Word and for one another and for all the blessings you've given us in this world. We're mindful of all those who are in suffering and distress, and we pray that you would comfort and strengthen them. We pray that you would heal those who are ill, provide for those who are in need, that justice and righteousness would be established in our land, that we would have peace and tranquility from our authorities and all men to serve and glorify you. We pray, Father, that we would grow strong spiritually in the strength you provide. We pray that we would grow in our understanding of what you have accomplished in Jesus and that we would constantly seek to become more like Jesus in love and humility and meekness and and patience. And we pray, Father, that you would give us wisdom and insight and strength to maintain strength in ways that glorify and honor you and are not truly the weak ways of the world uh, that do not build up, do not encourage others, uh, but just use aggression and force to, to one's own advantage. Let us in all things use our strength to bear with those who are not as strong, uh, to endure those who are weak, and to be able to hold on to that strength for as long as we need to, and give us the strength to hold on as long as we need to, and to find ways to serve others, uh, no matter what our condition is. We pray that we would look to you in moments of momentary strength and momentary weakness, and we would constantly find refuge and strength in you in all things. And we especially look forward to the day when we are able to share in, in your strength forever in the resurrection, and to spend eternity in your presence with, uh, in Christ. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen. Again, so thankful that you've joined us, and we'd love to hear what you think about spiritual strength. Maybe you can tell us how you may feel spiritually strong and what ways that you need strength. The difficulties and challenges that come with spiritual strength and that comparison, especially with the ways of the world, right? And what strength looks like in the world versus what strength looks like in Jesus and how we can better reflect the strength we're supposed to show in Christ and not uh, from the world. Please let us know in the comments and also love to have you subscribe to us. Uh, if you'd like to reach out to us, you can find us on VenisterToChrist.org or on Facebook, on Instagram, or on Twitter. And please uh, let us know whatever we can do to help you. And we look forward to encouraging you again in the future. May the Lord bless and keep you until then.